What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 9, The Defiant. Uh, very excited to talk about this episode. Uh, I'm miserable. How are you, Mike? Yeah, you, you warned me yesterday, Keith, uh, about hockey. And, mm. you know, so I thought, you know, I'm going to be a pal. I'm going to go ahead yeah, and, you sure and, did. and watch the game as Keith, you know, to cheer for Keith's team, give him a little extra. And it turns out I should have watched to the end because <laughs> I made a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. with five minutes left. And I went on to other watchings thinking that yeah. I would just celebrate with you today. And then you got it, gave me a text. And uh, then I watched Overtime, and uh, probably better if we just don't talk about it. Yeah, no, it's probably it's probably better. You know, it's like it's 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 one of those things where uh, that happens. Then uh, apparently, like a uh, a spring hurricane just blows across the country and uh, it flooded my basement. Ooh, yeah. Uh, as as well as just you know life happening. So um, I am I, I say all this not to complain about all of my problems. But to say how grateful I am to be here and talking about this show with with you, Mike, and with everybody else here, and uh, and to speak, you know, in in all in all seriousness, how Star Trek and this world has always been my home base mm. in times of uh, not feeling great. This has been my safe place, my home base, my space that I feel grace. Wow, oh. I, just, I just rhymed out. How about that? that so, you, wrote a, uh, you wrote a song here. I did. Oh my god! All right, so so there it is. Maybe I'll maybe I'll write a write a little song. So anyway, very excited see to that. get into the, it. The camera's picking that up somehow. That's crazy. Oh, that's really fancy. Wow. Mike's fancy ass coffee cups and my uh, super elegant Mountain Dew Zero, which gets me through the day. Well, Keith, so, I, I, yeah. I think I can share now. So over the yeah. past like two weeks i've been really busy with work getting this project done and my mom's i gotta do much stuff and i've had all these auditions which have been kind of exciting because um it's been nice to kind of flex those muscles again i haven't auditioned yeah. things in a while and that was kind of getting exciting some new theaters some new opportunities a couple of workshops got to play my guitar got to do a bunch of stuff and over the past 48 hours um it has come to my attention that i didn't book anything like zero nothing i got no <sighs> jobs I uh, so I'm just staring down the barrel of a long summer, and I had turned down a summer job in the event that I got one of these closer jobs. So I've really right. emptied the tanks, and uh, you know, so I'm really just kind of living it. But you know what? Like you said, I thought last last night I was kind of, and I was like, well, guess what? We we just started a new show, strange new show, yep. and you can really focus on what you're doing with with the channel and you can focus on work and you get to spend some time at the pool this summer and and tan up and just you know you gotta keep you gotta just embrace what you got and what you don't got a hundred percent you know what like there's there's so little in our existence that we can control and uh and so you know like uh like cisco in the wormhole right you can't control what comes out of the wormhole all you can control is how you react so, uh, yeah, you know what? Our summers are going to be slamming. Can't That's what wait. I have to I'm say. I'm going to go see some more baseball games. Bryce Harper, 
it could be back as soon as tomorrow. That means nothing to you. I don't even know the words I just said. But my I've heard of Bryce Harper. My Philadelphia I mean, 76ers start game two of the NBA playoffs tonight. They I have, know they're very good at baseball. Keith, they have the number one, the MVP of the league is on our team. So you would think, oh, we have Grayson. Guess what, Keith? Sprained yeah. his knee. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is. But it, you know what didn't sprain its knee? Nope. nope. Actually, we don't, we don't actually know this, but our patrons are the ones who help us repair our knees, our hearts, and our budgets. Mike, who's patroning the patron patron? Oh, wait. Star- Your starring lineup for the K&M patrons, Brian K-Bash Kimball, Brian what? Killer Kaufman, None Casey right. Kerr, release the Kraken Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for all of these. Jason Mo Moa. <laughs> this is great. We're four in. <laughs> Don't put me in the friend zone, Bren Joshua. What? Andrew. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. <laughs> Jorge Supernova and mm. the mysterious. She's already got one. Wars, yeah. big old boot shivs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Richard, I need alliteration. <laughs> Richard, hot and Coleman. Charles, I used to buy video games at Babbage. Okay, Sierra Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich, Lowachevsky, <laughs> at Grim underscore toys. I'll get you guys next week. Delusions at noon. JD makes Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM. And of course, we never can, last but never least, Pat. You know, uh, your, your friends, mm-hmm. when, when you embark on something that, that it might be crashing and burning on live YouTube, yep. your friends will hop in. And uh, and rescue you and divert and and yeah. and, and save you, but your true friends mm-hmm. they let you go. Will watch with delight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keith, right. can I, speaking of, can yeah. I can I take just a little bit of salt and can I just rub it straight in a wound for you? Oh sure. I mean, I'm I'm pretty raw. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm about to take a present away from you, which is no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, can't I like be- presents. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this. Oh, you're such a jerk. It's true. So we're watching the game last night. Your team, the Boston Bruins, came back, and yep. they were losing, and then they tie the game, and then they take the lead, in the, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is I'm, – I'm, I'm wrapped up in it. We're remember, taking the lead with 50 seconds And I remember recently we had talked about how no hats fit you, and I was like, uh-huh, you got to get uh-huh. a good hat, and you're like, I yeah. don't want to spend the money on it. So I found you a nice Boston Bruins 5950 flat bill, oh, snapback, and I was ready to hit, but I was like, you know what? Let me make sure they win first, and once uh-huh. they win, I'll Wise. send it off. And Wise. then they lost, and yeah. like my Super Bowl jersey in the closet that I don't want to look at, touch, or smell, mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. I can't send this hat now. I, I can't. Well, no, but I, next you know season, what? I – I, I appreciate the thought, but I don't want your tainted hat. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want that shit from me. So Your sad, tainted hat that just brings up trauma. I think maybe I'll never watch a Boston Bruins game again. And just, you don't need my, my whatever I brought, whatever juju I brought was not the right juju. Uh, believe me, this was not, this 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 was not you. The the Bruins were not the Bruins the entire series. I will say All this right. about hockey, and then we have to talk about Star Trek. I know, this is we, a geekly conversation. But you know what I really had appreciated? about mm. it's the only professional united states sport 
even though I guess it's pretty global, but regardless, they shake hands after the game. Even in the most crushing of defeats, yeah. that is not well, something you see in other It's sports. one of the best traditions in the NHL, is that at the end of the series, they, oh, they have the handshake goes? line. Yeah, so at the end of the series. Really, that takes, yeah. what that takes on a losing oh my side, God. The, I can't even imagine. The heartbreak of yeah. it, I mean, and it happens every single series in the playoffs. So, you know, when you lose game seven in overtime of the Stanley Cup finals and be- before they carry the trophy around, they shake hands and congratulate each other, even if they've been like trying to murder each other for seven straight games. It's it's beautiful. It really yeah, it's is. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's it's very Star Trek. Yeah. It's very it's very good. Yeah, so you I want to know what this else? This week we're going to talk about foes once again having to join forces. That's yeah. That's right. That's right. So before we do that, we need to shake some hands with uh, with last week's episode Meridian. And uh, talk about the viewer ratings. And I know some of folks, I, I think, uh, what was it, Jason? You said you clutched your pearls at our crazy low ratings uh, with Meridian last week. And I said this in, in the comments, but I'll say this to everybody. Uh, we are not rating this against all of television. We are rating this against itself. Yeah. So... Uh, it is so when I gave it a nine out of a hundred, it is nine out of a hundred in relation to how good Deep Space Nine gets. Mm-hmm. Not uh, this is worse than you know. It's probably still the best thing on television that night. Th- don't get me wrong. Um, so it also if feels I had to, heavily influenced by our mood at that current second. A million percent. Uh, I, you know, uh, it, it guess what? It, it's it's not scientific. It's actually just however, us. it's not scientific, but. I'm saying it right here on the internet. It is definitive. It is definitive. <laughs> yes, yes. The 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 podcast, the lowest ranked Deep Space Nine podcast in all of Deep Space Nine podcasts, definitive rankings. Uh, however, we got a bunch of rankings from you, and maybe you can help our cumulative average. Jason Moe gives it a 62. Joshua Cronin gives it a 67. Nobody got above a D, let's be honest. JD gives it a 50. John McWhat gives it a 40. And Delusions at Noon uh, coming in with the super tip on your rating, which means I read your comment. That's the rules. I like his gives style. It- he used to re- he used to do his diatribes on the Patreon, but then when, once the, you establish the precedent that we read for a tip, now he's like, oh, you're going to read it. We'll do more than that for a tip. <laughs> but let me... Ch- <laughs> Uh, but actually, like, this is some terrific analysis, yeah. so uh, this buckle is the, up. This is it's, about to be the best part of the podcast. Uh, definitely. So Delusion says, I give this one a 40, rather higher than you guys, but there's no denying it was a bad episode. Such a weird decision to focus on a character we've never seen before and won't see again, thankfully. That was me. Even weirder to name the character Dex and have Terry Farrell play her even though she is clearly has no relation to the character we already know with that name, making decisions and behavings in ways that are completely unlike her namesake. Just inexplicable storytelling choices in just about every regard. Couldn't have put it better. Yeah. I'm, But I'm slightly more positive on the episode than you guys for two reasons. First, while I absolutely agree the B story totally fails to recognize the true moral gravity of its scenario, for me, it managed to hit most of its intended comic beats pretty successfully, and I got a couple of hearty chuckles out of it. A laugh is a laugh, even if achieved through a rather skeevy means. Secondly, I found myself moved by how valiantly the direction and acting in this episode tried to transcend the material. 
There are bad episodes I'd rank lower even though they have scripts that are merely mediocre instead of outright awful precisely because they feel like the cast and crew were just going through the motions. Mm. The companions behind the scenes info confirms pretty much everyone knew this was a dog when they were working on it, and it feels like Frakes guided everyone to go above and beyond in a hopeless attempt to rescue the material. And it almost works in a couple of instances. The farewell scene between Cisco and Dax is wholly fraudulent on a dramatic level, and yet it still moved me because Brooks makes you totally believe Cisco's sincerity. There's something strangely compelling to me about seeing talented people grapple intelligently with impossible material, so while it's sort of a meta reason for not entirely disliking the A story that's divorced from its non-existent dramatic virtues, it's enough to hold on to it's enough to hold on to that it keeps this dud from ranking in my bottom five and maybe even in the bottom ten. Uh that is so well put. Yeah. And you know, being a uh, being an actor in New York for a long time and doing a tremendous amount of readings of new shows and new musicals, uh, trying to sell something that's not working is uh, a remarkable um, part of your existence. It's your job. It's your it's your whatever. And and I think that the actors whom I respect the most will absolutely, you know, they're they're not going to try to fix it. But they are going to they're they're going to perform something with the gravity and the weight and the honesty, regardless of whether it makes any sense and regardless of whether the material is good. You know something we never really talk about on many of our shows, which you're but you you're kind of waxing right there, reminding me of is that often when you're in a in a play or even in a movie, I would imagine I haven't done many of those or commercial or something, you're really relying heavily on what you've been given in the script by the writer who clearly knows yep. the characters the best because they wrote them and also the director and the production crew because they have a vision for what they're trying to produce. However, at a certain point in a long-running series, and, and we're not I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting there in this series, it sort of flips over. And the actors who have in, been inhabiting these characters and who yeah. have been adding mannerisms and motivations and relationships with other characters actually start to know the characters better. Yeah. Uh, than than those writing them, and I imagine when you're presented with a script or a series of scripts or an arc that you just internally do not gel with, that becomes challenging. And I would hope that the writers trust the actors enough to allow that input and allow maybe some adjustments based on what they're thinking. But uh, thanks, well, I mean, thankfully, the, we have the, 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 the companion to help us know that yeah. for this show. The the smart writers use the actors as resources not as chess pieces. Mm. And I think that that is, um, you know, certainly something that this cast was very much capable of being a resource to the writers. Um, you know, and, and I'll just, I'll just finish with what, uh, what they said in the companion and what delusions was talking about from the part of Frakes and from, from the part of the actors, what you see there is professionalism. They are yeah. professionally doing the best they can with whatever is handed to them. And those are the type of people you want to work with. So anyway, so everybody's average comes out to 51.8. So uh, my rating was a 9. Yours was a 30. Jen gave it an 87. And I believe our winner is still Mike at 30. The closest to the communal average. So you got a 51. Mm-hmm. 
so I guess you could officially say it's not half bad. That's true. It's not fully half bad. Come on. Pretty happy with that. Pretty, pretty happy with that. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> All right. What do you say we talk about a much better episode, Defiant? Which aired on November 21st, 1994. The top song, would you believe? It, you know, frankly, I'm surprised there wasn't a second baby boom. Mm. Uh, it, a year after this episode aired because the top song continued to be, Michael. Yeah, this was my personal version. Ready? Mm-hmm. I'll make love to you if you want me to. Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, you don't want me to? Oh, okay then. Yeah, good night. Good night. Have, have, a, have a great night. I'll Take see you later. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> very good. However, uh, guess what, folks? The top movie, it's a big one. The top movie this week was Star Trek Generations. That was the, the first first next-gen movie. We have the poster. Everyone stop and uh, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Keith, would you, you know, it's interesting while I pull this up, actually. Uh-huh. And you've got me saying it's interesting now all the time. Ha! That Frakes guest stars this week, pretty get the next gen cast back in the in the you know the whole thing yeah he was a he was a busy guy Frakes was although this you know filmed well before the uh, it aired so there is star trek generations the crossover from the original series movies handing it off to our heroes from star trek next generation this was the first movie that my family that my uncle worked on um did fabulous work. This poster is hanging up in his studio. That's cool. Uh, very exciting. This uh, this uh, movie made twenty three million dollars uh, and uh, killed off some important folks. And uh, did a uh, you know it, it's it's not everybody's favorite next gen movie, um, but uh, I think there's there's a lot there to like. Um, so uh, certainly a consequential film. Uh, so. Big big Star Trek week. You had a had a lot to go. I remember I went to go see this in the theaters. I, I think I told the story last week about finding the the place with better than stereo sound to go see it. But uh, I it should not surprise anybody. I was a little hyped for this one. Yeah, I can imagine. Was did you dress, really did you go in costume, Keith? So no, I did not uh, go dressed up in 1994. I had I had discovered. Um, in the middle school experience, it, it what's this word? Shame, and uh, I I I was mercilessly bullied for going to a costume convention in 1991 and ending up in the newspaper. The picture of which you can see in the intro to uh, look at my Star Trek toys uh, didn't do a lot for my uh, popularity um, in school, but I was still really excited to go. So, uh, if you ever wonder how to make a how to make a Starfleet uniform, two turtlenecks, a red one and a black one, and pull it over the shoulders. You could go back in time and like tell all of them. You know, I'm going to have the world's leading Star Trek podcast empire in mere years, mere decades. Well, if I could tell them that, that would be great. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, you know, Keith, it's possible. We, we, we've got to be in the top 100 of Deep Space Nine reviews. Due to maybe a, some sort of a, a, a transporter incident, perhaps mm-hmm. you could have 
bifurcated timelines, and in one of those, we have a really successful pod. Well, I, I mean, look, in the multiverse, yeah. there is definitely a version of this show, which, you know what, in the multiverse, there's a version of our show that is the number one show in all of television. And they're already talking about the episode. People... <laughs> in that version. Oh, my God. Yes, no, we're... They, all right, they didn't anyway. do a Stanley Cup, a Stanley Cup uh, lead-in. Yeah, that's right. Well, the, the Bruins won in <laughs> yeah, that oh, version, right. too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so uh, I know everybody here was going to go see Star Trek Generations this weekend. We weren't watching TV. But if you were that weirdo who mm-hmm. wasn't going to see Generations in the theater, uh, what what were they watching on TV? Well, Keith, they would have been at least excited that their New York football giants beat the then Houston Oilers 13-10. to mm. High-scoring affair. Woof. <laughs> Uh, you know, the normal stuff on CBS, you had the nanny, when you pish upon a star, was the name of that one. P-I-S-H, which... Uh, it's, uh, I, I imagine it evaporates before it hits it. Uh-huh. Uh, Dave's World was still rocking and rolling. Murphy- oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 do, is Dave here? Uh, yeah, Dave's it. Hold on. Uh, no. The episode was called... Oh, wait, no, come on. You gotta, you, you gotta give us your flawless Dave. Why did? Why do you think I have a Dave? Did that? Is that an anecdote I should remember? No, you just you you, you do your. It always makes me laugh when you do your impression. That wasn't. I didn't do a Dave. The impression yes, that did. made you laugh was I was doing George Lucas. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, you, oh yeah, hi, I'm Dave, and uh, this week's episode was called uh, the Donor Party. Um, follow. You know, surprisingly, oh. my Dave is also my Murphy Brown. Uh, this is Murphy Brown, and this week it was Bye Bye Benecki. Um, the nanny was also the nanny was. I am very bad at, at impressions. Wow. We've discovered it's so good. <laughs> Flaws, friend, are you here? Uh, yeah, nothing really was on. Uh, because mommy works was the NBC movie. They didn't want to compete with Star Trek Generation. No, but I'm always curious who the uh, the SNL. Well, who's, host yeah, who hosted was. SNL? Should uh, have been Patrick Stewart if they were smart. John Turturro with Tom John Petty. Turturro. Tom Petty. Okay, was okay, that's pretty good. I'd I'd like to go back and check that out. So there you go. TV not. You know what? TV sucked. Go see Generations in the movies if you go back in time. That's right. <laughs> if you have a time machine, don't go back and like you know change history. No, don't make a lot of effect. money. You can't do that. You got to just go to the movies. All right. Fair enough. Well, that seems very expensive just to watch the movies. <laughs> got it down all right so uh let's talk about defiant please for the love of god i hear you we have an episode (laughs) oh wait no let's not talk about defiant we talk about the hardcore news from the weekly world news headline this week uh here we are can you believe that uh she was with us until literally a couple of months ago queen elizabeth's secret diaries about her secret love affair with a u.s senator and uh, made a $10 million offer to Prince Charles's mistress, who, uh, spoiler alert, is now the queen. And uh, she slapped Princess Di. Oof. Also, she had a 20-year fight against shopping addiction. Yeah, we all have it. We all have it. She, she has prime. That's the problem. Yeah. I have about 12 packages showing up today. Yeah. I have, I have new glasses coming today. That's I'm very cool. excited. I got an AirTag, Keith. Did I tell you that? <clears throat> That's a Did geeky you? topic. Why? Yeah. Because I, I, I can't lose my wallet one more time. I, I can't do it. You've lost your wallet? I never officially lose it. 
I just misplace it, and for days I cannot relocate it. Wait, so in your house or out of your house? You lose your a combination wallet. of the factors, combination of the two. Okay, okay. You should probably air tag your cats too while you're at it. No, my my cats are good. I like my cats. No, they're not. They're running around all over the place. That's true. All right. So, uh, Defiant, yeah. for the love of God, Defiant <laughs> was directed by Cliff Bowl, who last directed Equilibrium, and has a teleplay by Ronald D. Moore, who last wrote The House of Quark, and, uh, just like Frakes, uh, he also freaking wrote Generations. Oh. So, okay. uh, he had an episode of television that he wrote dropping the same weekend as a feature film that he wrote, uh, Pretty good week for uh, royalties for Ronald D. Moore. What do you say we get into some uh, something trivial, Mike? Yeah, but I have I have some big trivia that you don't know about, Keith. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, do you know that uh, because of the content of this episode, the viewers mm-hmm. don't know it, but at the halfway point, mm-hmm. the halfway point of this episode, which God knows uh-huh. when that is, I'm going to make us pause and go shave half our beards into a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. Well, my playoff beard isn't necessary anymore. Oh, okay. Trivial trivia. Uh, Number one. Guest stars Shannon Cochran and Michael Canavan would later marry in real life after meeting on this episode. Oh. Showmance. Should have been the last episode. That was the romantic one. But, uh, you know. Sometimes stealing a ship gets the heart going a flutter. They get a lot of lines too. This is a great guest role, guest spots for them. They don't. They don't speak hardly at all. They speak quite a bit. I'm guessing they're the crew of Tom, yeah, Tom's ship. The, yeah, they had a lot yeah, of lines. Fine. All right. They're not. They're the, not consequential, but no. But they're there. The giant Cardassian view screen that we see them uh, communicating with is actually a miniature, which is. Really cool. So that's a miniature that they uh, they blue screened Cisco in front of. So uh, cool. cool. Uh, it's it was seamless. I did not notice that it was oh. a miniature. Katila uh, was the character of Katila, played by Shannon Cochran, was also in the Next Generation episode Preemptive Strike, a uh, season seven episode we should watch at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as a member of the Maquis, we've seen her before. That reminds me. I meant to, uh-huh. in the beginning of this episode, but we got to start talking about sports. I wanted to thank you, Keith. What incredible foresight to have me on the Patreon watching that episode of Next Gen. It, uh, what, it made me kind of wonder, if you hadn't seen that episode and you're just watching this, you're sort you of like, like, what, what the, the hell, hell is hell going, is going on? on? Yeah. Yeah, well, th- you know, there's there's a method to my madness occasionally. You'd think I would have figured it out before the reveal, but I didn't. I really just thought. Oh, it I'm was, glad. Oh, yeah. I, I was really yeah. excited to ask about the reveal, yeah. whether or not you, uh, whether like, or oh, not you crap, clocked yeah. it. But uh, so cool, right? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, eh, all right. So uh, Trisha O'Neill, uh, who plays the Cardassian overseer, also played Rachel Garrett in yesterday's Enterprise, uh, which is my all-time favorite Next Generation episode, wow. okay. um, and possibly my favorite episode of Star Trek. Period. Wow. Uh, so uh, I remember when that first came out, I lost my friggin' mind on my grandparents' carpet watching it. Ugh. At least that's all you lost on your grandparents' carpet. Ew. I was I was eight! All right, anyway, so... Uh, Didn't we talk about Big Mouth this week? Eight, not 12. Late, late <laughs> all bloomer. Right. 
<laughs> Gross. All right. She also played Kurak in the episode Suspicions. So a frequent guest on Star Trek. Frakes directed the previous episode and then acted in this one. So he just hung around for a couple of weeks in the Deep Space Nine verse wearing different hats. And this episode, speaking of Star Trek Generations, takes place right before Generations. Um, otherwise, the what happened there right. would have been referenced. And lastly, further updates were made to the Defiant in term uh, the bridge in terms of paint scheme and lighting at the request of DP Jonathan West. So uh, they are continuing to tinker with the bridge of the Defiant. Uh, this is where we would do what was Voyager doing. Voyager is ramping up. They are showing uh, ads for the series premiere of Voyager. Do you do you remember what? Uh, what that aired on, what Voyager aired on? UPN, one of those? It was on UPN. It was the first Star Trek series not, uh, since the original series, not to be syndicated. So and, and it that's was the, Janeway, right, Voyager? That was Janeway. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was the flagship show of UPN as they were sort of launching recall, the network. It's very. I watched at least a few episodes of Voyager here and there for various reasons over the years. Deep Space Nine, I had never watched a single episode, not a one. Well, I mean, you kind of have to go looking for it because it was syndicated. Right. Um, and uh, for for me, because I was living out in the boonies, we didn't have cable, you clocked what was syndicated because there's only three or four channels. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of noticed everything. But I imagine if you had cable, like you'd, you'd be like, it's on at a weird time. Like, how would you even know? All right, so the guest stars of Defiant include, of course, Marco Limo back as Ducat. Welcome back, sir. Trisha O'Neill as Carinas, Shannon Cochran as Kalita, Robert Kerbeck as the Cardassian soldier, Michael Kahneman as Tamal, and, of course, Jonathan friggin' Frakes playing Riker. Which version? We'll find out as we go. Yeah, this this episode is exciting because it it's it's establishing the show's ability and willingness to hop between the worlds of uh, serialized content and also arc based content. Yeah, because all of a sudden, oh, we're back in the mainline storytelling of this of this season of where we're going and. If you haven't been paying attention, or you have, if you've you've only been pipping and popping, you're not going to really know what the hell's going on, which is yeah, which is pretty different than a lot of the television series that you would see. At this well, time. certainly Trek up until this point, definitely, um, yeah, and and this episode, uh, I think, not surprisingly, has some wider ranging consequences mm -hmm. for stuff moving forward. So it's it's important for for a couple of different levels. I also like. I don't recall. Well, we can about talk about this later. Let's get let's get going. All right. Well, why don't we hop into the screening room and talk about Defiant? I caught myself doing this this week when I was watching along. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be, gonna be with you forever. Can't if wait. you ask me to, Kira, or even if you don't ask me to, if I'm Riker. Wait, I'm sorry. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like Rikers didn't really. There's a lot of that last scene here. Really loving everything up until that last. Second. Oh yes, yes. The real, the non-consensual kiss. That was real weird. But. That wasn't great. Well, that that was like that was very Kirky. Yeah, it was very Kirky. That's a good point. <laughs> okay, so uh, we begin in the teaser. Kira is having a rough day. The station is busy, and everyone wants a piece of her. Not that way, Mike. Dax and O'Brien are keep uh, keep piling more work on. And Bashir wants a runabout, and it's too much. Kira snaps at him. So Bashir, using his medical authority, forces her off duty. For her stress and exhaustion, he prescribes a drink at Quark's. And he insists that she enjoy herself by doing a bunch of things he and we already know she doesn't like. Yeah. Quark's, hollow sweets, and gambling. Uh, I don't it, it's totally weird. Like it's it's like when the friend gives you a present, like you know for sure you've already told them you don't want. The whole teaser like, actually felt a little unnecessary. Like she doesn't actually go on leave, and then she it, it, it's in whatever. Well, I mean, we're we're setting up the obvious. You know, she's got some time off. She's got to relax. And what better mm-hmm. than uh, nobody? A get, night? Nobody gets time off. And nobody, if, if you've been sanctioned for leave, you, there's a plot coming your way. Well, but that's well, yeah. It, it, that's that's a Star Trek trope, as well as all of our heroes refuse to take any time off, except for Riker, actually. Um, but they all no. That's Riker mentions that he was also forced mm-hmm. to stop working, so everyone's a workaholic. Uh, but the night turns interesting when bump bump ba Riker shows up, and we all gasp. I literally gasped. <laughs> I I want to watch the reveals yeah. on uh, Mike watches <gasps> Deep Space Nine. I'm uh, some would say dramatic. What? <laughs> Hard to imagine. Yeah. Patreon.com/slash. Hey, I was pretty stoned last watch... night too, and like tired. <laughs> Great. I'm sure that was an adventure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, uh, Patreon.com/slash. Knm if you want to see whatever that is. <laughs> so in Act One. Cisco meets with Riker and asks him, what oh, is uh, it there for? We should announce it on the mainline show because people watch Star Trek. You know, not only that, but over on Patreon.com, <clears throat> Keith and I are oh, wa- right. watch the pilot episode of Strange New Worlds. Strange World? New Worlds? The, or plural. Worlds. Yeah, Strange plural. New Worlds. Uh, you know, the Paramount Plus. So if you want to see Keith and I's first reactions to both of us first watching it, check that out. And get excited because Strange New Show coming your way in your feed as early as next week. Possibly. Yep. Yes. We're going to do this uh, with Strange turns New out, World. Uh, I got nothing better to do. Yeah, well, there it is. Well, well we buried the lead. We should have <laughs> said that earlier. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> this is what makes us... Professionals. Uh, yeah. but, you know, it's like talking about professionalism before. There it is. Or as Ben would say, we dropped the ball, Keith. He don't. He doesn't drop that ball. No. He catches that ball. So, it turns out, Riker has three months of leave, and he is here to partay. Yeah. He's just... He's like, passing- I, like I want to bang chicks. I want to get drunk, and I want to party. He literally said, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, literally, but basically. But that's Riker, right? That's, I mean, Riker's, uh, he's, he's a, after season one, he's a, he's a man who enjoys I want to have fun. drinks. I want to play mischief. sax. I want to have sex. That's right. That's right. So uh, he's just passing through on his way to Ryza. Do you know about Ryza, Mike? I'm rising right now, Keith. (laughs) 
Wait, did you do that? <laughs> oh, <Yes>. you did? <laughs> well, you can't trigger me like that. You winked out before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're children. <laughs> yeah, so... So, Ryza is sort of the Federation, like, orgy planet. So, it basically... Yeah, Someone say orgy? Bas- yeah, okay. yeah. So, basically, you just go to Ryza and... Uh, Remember the Horgon I told you about? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so you just put the Horgon down, and then you 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 done do it kind of everywhere, and everyone on Rise are like, yeah, all you right. Get your, you get your lobes fondled. You get your lobes. You get a, everything, anything you want. So, uh, all right. so naturally, Riker enjoys going there. So, uh, yeah, but uh, he's stopping here for a second because Quark owes him money, and he's got a date with a Dabo girl. Uh, it's a, he had a very busy visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, on Ops, Dax and Kira talk about Riker. Dax knows him already from when he was here last year. Dax can tell something is up with Kira, and Kira admits that she and Riker talked for three hours last night. But she's involved with somebody. She's involved with, uh, remember Beryl? Yeah, the Pope. Yeah, well, no, he's he's not the Pope. Well, I mean, he's like, wanted to be Pope. He wanted to be the Pope, mm-hmm. but now there's an evil Pope. Uh... Anyway, uh, Dax can tell she's still smitten the burial of it aside. So but they, Riker but the, is, all of that, remember, any chemistry that might be between them happened off camera. Yeah, well, we're going to see we're going to see a little bit more of it later. I guess. There's a heck of a lot you want to talk about chemistry. It's a hell of a lot more chemistry than last week. Oh, yes. I'm just saying it's weird that they didn't sh- the the whole teaser scene could should have been that. Rather than just like the, oh, I'm overworked. Because then at least it would have given some context to everything that happens, but whatever. That's true. Well, but they, they I mean, structurally, they wanted to end the teaser with the with first the appearance of Riker. Yeah, yeah so there it is. Sometimes also, them, you gotta... having, them having physical chemistry adds nothing to the plot, but go, but TV. Okay. No, I think it's fun. Because it's, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it is a little bit of like a fanfic there. What if Kira hooked up with Riker? Yeah, okay. And I guess... Knowing that Riker's kind of a ladies' man throughout the next gen is is helpful. But if you don't know that, like I didn't really know that, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But I guess having watched that episode, that was helpful. That was well because you know he has sort of a a on again off again open relationship with Troy, so she's fine with it. She gets it. Um, so you know who knows. So uh, Riker and Cisco come out, and Dax reminds him that he owes her money. He doesn't remember for a bit, but then he covers. It's odd to see Riker in the next-gen uniform, but with the updated communicator pin, Mm. which uh, this is also something in Generations. So uh, to just have like little uniform corner. Well, hold on. This is a good screenshot. Before we do uniform corner, let's let's go up to down. Let's start up. Let's look at that screenshot. Is that... Are those mutton chops? Are those pasted on mutton chops, or did he shave for that cut? I think he shaved. He shaved right before. So they... you're telling me this is a beard, an actual beard? Someone, someone trimmed that perfect you. It's Star Trek. I mean, yeah. trim, trimming the weird beard and the and the triangles on the uh, on okay. the on your whatever. That's the whole thing. I buy it. Uh, he doesn't. Riker doesn't usually have such a low swoop. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That is a little odd. It's a little more Nike. He's telling you know what he's telling Kira to just do it. Just do it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. There it is. Uh, anyway, uniform corner. 
uh, in Generations, we've talked about it a lot on the Toys show, but uh, they had originally planned to do completely new uniforms for the next-gen cast for Generations. Um, for many different reasons, they didn't pan out, um, and even though Playmates released an entire line of uh, toys with the characters wearing these unused uniforms, what happens in the movie Generations is, it's kind of weird and abrupt and it doesn't make any sense, but as the movie goes on, one by one, the characters from Next Gen transition from the regular Next Gen uniforms to the Deep Space Nine jumpsuits. And so by the end of Generations, everybody's wearing the Deep Space Nine era jumpsuits um, and not the Next Gen. Why they didn't make that decision all at once? Why? I, it was weird. It was a little chaotic in the producing. But this is the first time we're using the updated communicator pins that we saw at the beginning of this season. So this is the first time we've ever going to see Riker wearing that communicator pin, even though he's wearing the old style Next Generation uniform. Uh, so, yeah, so there it is. These, uh, they would only ever wear the Deep Space Nine era uniforms for generations. That's it. Uh, I had one other thing, but I lost it. I'll find it later. So, uh, meet later. Meet cute, meet cute. Meet cute. Kira literally bumps into Riker on the promenade. And uh, they pretend they're not going to hang for a bit, but you know they're going to hang. She asks him if he wants to go for a tour, and he says, yeah, let me see the Defiant. Yeah, let me see those big guns shooting off. You know, another trope on Deep Space Nine. If you literally bump into somebody on the uh, on the promenade, chances are he, he's a secret bad guy. Keith, wormhole alert. Okay. I'm going to plant the seed now. We'll talk about it later. Uh-huh. We always talk about the security... It, depending on what time of day it is, there's either a, so much security on Deep Space Nine or none at all, right? These huge, we always find these huge holes in security and whatnot. I know a little bit later in the episode, we're gonna, they're going to be like, oh, who, where is everybody? Where, who's, you know, who's on the McKee or whatnot? Or not the McKee, the, who's on the Defiant? You would think, with security clearances being as they are, the second someone beep-boop-beeps into the Defiant, the biggest, what we've come to learn, like the biggest warship in the Quadrant, Right. <laughs> like, someone would get a red light would beep. Like, you know, Odo or, or Ops or something would be like, hey, somebody went on the, somebody's on the Defiant just to let you know. Here's closed circuit. I mean, but, but, she's I mean. A, she's a somebody. These are, they're, they're both. They're, they, they are both every bit uh, allowed to be on it. O'Brien's already there doing maintenance. Like, I didn't people say are that going they're not allowed to be on it. I didn't say that they're not allowed to be on it. But there should be instant record that somebody's on it to protect the weapons. And because well, they're, when sure they're, they're looking for them, they're like, where are they? Well, I'm sure there is a record of it. But I, I think it would only, like, flag people if unauthorized people mm-hmm. went onto it. Okay. Like, if somebody went on without it, then, of course, I'm sure Oda would get a beep or Cisco would. Um, but they're perfectly legit. Well, people after this episode, Keith, I'm going to imagine that they're getting a beep every time somebody goes on there. Yeah, they're probably going to be a little, little, a uh, little more careful. So before you start, you know, pish poshing my security audit, you should uh, know that I'm right. Oh, well, okay. Well, there, there you go. I can't argue with that. So, uh, do you like that callback? Do you notice I used the word pish, which was a callback to the one of the, what was on TV? Okay, let's keep going. <clears throat> when when you pish upon a star, mm-hmm. yeah, it's better than electric fence, but probably not great. All right, so uh, 
Where am I? So they walk to the docking ring, and they both identify themselves to access the ship. Turns out, O'Brien is already working on there, and Riker is clearly pissed at him, but I'm not sure why, other than to get rid of him. I was going to ask you, did something happen? O'Brien wasn't on that episode, right? Uh, he was there. Um, he, he might have been... My well, assumption, I, what I read yeah. into it, and I, I, this was just Mike made this up, was if I'm not mistaken, O'Brien was in charge of transport beam. Right. So I figured maybe O'Brien was helming the beam when the mishap happened and he got trapped on the planet and that kind of ruined his life. So maybe he blames O'Brien for it. That that would make sense. But I mean, because he is pissed. He's, no, he's super pissed. And if O'Brien had been the one who like left him there, I get it. But I don't think I don't think he was, was Something happened because O'Brien because O'Brien was on the Rutledge at that point it's also O'Brien's response to it he's not totally he's not like what the F he's, right. he's sort of accepting of it so clearly it's a mutual he knows Something. what Riker's pissed about uh, so you know viewers yeah, smarter viewers us. who knows just tell us <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's come to our show is just us asking for help. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. 100%. So we're like car talk, but the other way around. Yeah. We're just like, hey, uh, my car broke. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway. Also, like, if you're, you know, like bad, bad Tom Riker, if you're trying to play a part and be under the radar, then you should probably keep your, I'm pissed at you. Uh, this is a huge tell. In fact, well, I, I thought... Later in the episode, I'm like, I wonder why they didn't... That wasn't... Like, O'Brien wasn't the one who figured it out or, or something. It's just a weird beat. Well, I mean, yes. Although I think the if you flip it around, being weirdly antagonistic with somebody that in a way that they don't understand is a good way to make them go away. Yeah, that's fair. And he needed to get rid of them You're right. at that you, point. Prime directive here is get Kira alone on the ship just then. Right. Yeah. So his... But it feels oddly personal at the same time so because there would have been a different way to do it anyway uh o'brien leaves but is somewhat confused Riker is curious about all the tactical systems but they're locked out but of course you know they're locked out because of higher level security so getting onto the ship isn't enough you have to have the password even just to enable the tactical but kira you know not a problem turns it on immediately for him and he immediately shoots her with a phaser and beams on two vest enthusiasts. And uh, on ops, the alarm goes off. There, see, there's your alarm. Mm-hmm. The, the Defiant is about to blow up. Riker calls and says, release the clamps so I can get the Defiant away from the station. Oh boy, they've created this whole ruse. And as soon as he does, the Defiant raises shields and pieces out. At this point, you know what I'm thinking, Keith? I'm thinking he's a Jem'Hadar. A changeling. Yes, or I'm sorry, a found uh, a founder. Founder, right? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, and that would be that would make perfect sense. Uh, so as soon as he does, the Defiant raises shields and pieces out, and uh, on the ship, Riker and his Vest buddies head off for the Badlands. Riker then removes his sideburns, revealing just a goatee. Guys, it's Thomas Riker, Will's evil twin. 
Uh, we're just not going to mention the jean jacket? I, I called her a vest enthusiast. Oh, okay, okay. I thought, okay. Well, noted. D- touche. <laughs> uh, and, uh, wow. So, obviously, goatee means evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was clearly evil through much of college. Yeah. Uh, but, guys, it was the 90s, okay? Keith was hashtag uh, Vincent Price lookalike. I was hashtag lots of things. <laughs> So, in Act 2, Odo and Sisko fill in the backstory to Ducat, who is there drinking Canard. Ducat asks, why I should care about that episode of Next Gen? I'm not on Next Gen. Sisko announces that they believe Thomas Riker is a member of the Maquis, and now he has the Federation's most powerful warship. And that, of course, elicits that Ducat look of concern. Um, there's, there's nothing, there's, there's nobody on the show better than the surprised oh shit face than Marco Limo as Ducat. So what, where in the series was that TNG episode we watched? I can't remember. Was it season five or something? Season, it was either five or six. So it was late in the run. It was late in the run. Yes. I remember thinking at the end of it, I'm like, wow, they're just going to have two Rikers in the universe, right? This is kind of a fun way to, to potentially tie that loophole up we'll get there well i don't know if i mentioned on the episode that we did the the bonus patreon exclusive content of us watching uh second chances um but uh they there was some talk at that point to actually kill off Riker, main and and replace him with thomas Riker as a lieutenant huh and promote Data to first officer, I think, was, was the plan. Um, which is an odd an odd odd choice. It would have been bold, though. It certainly would have been like, oh, wow. Very sci-fi. Gonna, yeah. Very sci-fi. Uh, yeah, so Second Chances aired on May 22nd, 1993. So this was uh, in Deep Space Nine's first season, I think, when, the, when this aired. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that was season six of Next Gen. Uh, anyway, where are we to cut? Um, he is concerned because the Central Command is definitely going to send ships to find the Defiant. Sisko asks, understands, and asks that any operation be a joint one. Ducat warns that the Cardassian government isn't going to buy any of it. The, the, the secret twin, blah, 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 none of it. And they're going to use this as an excuse to wipe out the Maquis once and for all. Ducat knows this is likely going to start a new war between the Federation and Cardassia. And he asks for a gesture of good faith. So Sisko offers to come along and assist. He helped define design the Defiant, so he knows its weaknesses. Very key. On the ship, Kara confronts Tom about his deceit. He asks him how far he thinks he can get. I'm sorry, I just took so yeah. many screenshots because Mark Limo is so captivating. Damn, mm. look how cool that is. This one I want a poster of. Ready for it? Hold on. Uh-huh. That's awesome. <clears throat> just the face I mean, the, the framings the, are great. The, the two of them together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just... It, it's it's so much fun to see Ducat and Cisco together because those two actors have, have so much gravitas mm-hmm. and so much like whether or not they're being evil or not they're so charming and so watchable well and this is why like already there's so much um 
texture in this episode because, listen, last time Ducat and and Cisco were together, they formed sort of a an unholy alliance to 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 deal with the minutia in the grand scheme of the two, like the Federation and the Cardassia High Command and all that stuff. And they're kind of working at the at the minutia level against the McKee. And here we are again, but in sandwiched between these two uh, buddy cops is that whole scene or that whole episode where Ducat's on the ship throwing Ben's baseball on the floor and trying to, you know, basically screw them over So and, and bring troops in. So there's so much here. There's already so much texture that I'm, I'm so invested. Well, that's you know that's why I've I've always said that Ducat is one of the most interesting characters on the on the series because he's incredibly complex mm-hmm. and he is he's not entirely evil and he's definitely not entirely good and he is and we talk about his a, hubris all the time and you'd think after the last episode right where he sort of got what's the word put in his place by that was high command right right that he would start kind of. S- continuing to sniff around and 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 stop thinking that he's aware of everything going on but once again this episode he finds out that there's always more going on than he's he's abreast of and he just can't but, get ahead of but that. always i mean i mean a true narcissist mm-hmm. which he is never learns mm-hmm. it's part of the it's part of the 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 disorder is that you know and and we see it with certain well-tanned uh, uh, po- political figures mm-hmm. who, like, literally cannot feel shame, cannot learn, cannot be, you know, cannot change their behavior. It is just inherent in who they are. Um, and I think Ducat is a is a great example of that. Um, fascinating. So, uh, uh, so on the ship. Oh no, we did that. We did that. So, uh, bon oh yes. there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they, uh, so they rendezvous with some other Maquis ships, and they all head towards the Cardassian border. So in Act Three, Ducat and Cisco have arrived on Cardassia Prime. Ducat takes him to a really fancy war room, where he can control the other ships. A woman enters, who is an observer from the Obsidian Order who is there to make sure that Cisco doesn't see anything classified. Uh, really interesting that the Cardassian military and the Obsidian Order are sep- are very separate entities, and who's really in charge is pretty unclear at this point. But Cisco understands, and she demands that he tell them all about the Defiance weapons. And he admits that that the Defiant has a cloaking device, uh, which, as we've mentioned before, Federation does not have any cloaking devices. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of big news, but she already knows. Mm -hmm. And Ducat is furious that he doesn't. So not sharing all the information between the Cardassian military and the Obsidian Order. But Sisko tells him that the Dominion found a way to detect the cloaked ship with a proton beam. Meanwhile, Kira tries to find a way to break out of her quarters. Ducat and the Cardassians detect the Defiant and move to intercept, but Sisko smells a rat because the Defiant isn't cloaked. That's Mm. weird. It attacks an outpost and moves away, and Sisko realizes it's a fake. And it's a feint. 
It's not really defined. And so that's the miniature. Actually, go back to. And you can see there, that is a green-screened Cisco in front of the miniature mm-hmm. of the thing with the digital overlay on it. That's, that, that is a it's like it's three composite, layers of composite yeah. there. It looks, mm-hmm. looks terrific. Would, never would have noticed. Never in a million years. And again, 1994 pretty television. Good. That's pretty darn pretty good stuff. Uh, another Defiant emerges and attacks a different outpost. It's bobbing and weaving and heading into deep Cardassian territory. The Obsidian Observer compliments Sisko and insults Dukat. On the Defiant, Riker adjusts the cloaking device so it can't be detected again when two plasma conduits blow up. Kira's sabotage campaign has begun. In Act 4, Riker compliments Kira on her sabotage. He asks why she's trying to stop him from attacking Cardassians, and they debate Maquis politics. Uh, The whole Maquis of it all, I'm still a little bit lost as to exactly what's going on there. I I need to rewatch some of the next-gen Maquis episodes as well. Um, because I, the whole politics of this, like they all talk about it, like it makes perfect sense. And it just doesn't to me. I guess the way I've kind of looked at it is, they don't, is just like, you know, we, we understand Kira's terrorism, right? She was a Bajoran. She was fighting against occupiers. 100%. And so I guess the idea is that, you know, in this neutral zone or demilitarized zone that, you know, they've just left to these kind of colonists and they're being treated badly, and they're not getting any help from the the enter from the from the, you know it's, they're they're the they're the what's the word I'm looking for the collateral damage in this this uh, what's the word treaty in it's the, a, yeah, in the no, treaty a, that 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 we kind of took an L on, but it, yeah. it's a political win because it looks like we did something, but really we left well and we stopped the war yeah. yeah. So I think that I mean it makes sense in that in that regard, but it seems like. Why Why Riker or anybody really gives... Well, I mean, I understand completely why the people who were screwed by the treaty are doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, their motivations, like, I get it, they're fighting the Cardassians who are sort of occupying their space, they're mad at the Federation because the Federation didn't protect them. That all makes perfect sense. What I... What Star Trek... What, the, what multiple series, actually three series, are going to try to reinforce the... Um, moral ambiguity of this, mm-hmm. that the McKee might might be sort of good guys and sort of bad guys, and we're not sure. Oh. That's the part that I don't quite get. Um, well, I guess why... that's their, the method to their madness, right? It's like <clears throat> to, and and yes, I I hear what you're saying. It's not it's clear as mud, so that that makes sense. But I guess you know even oof, I don't want to go that far, but I guess. There's a, is there a difference between uh, murdering innocent people, quote unquote, innocent people, if they are you just you just attribute them to being bad guys? I mean, I guess the point is they're not they're not always executing military targets, right? They're just kind of creating. No, but they I, I think they are though, and that, I mean I mean that that thing is is true. They are attacking military targets, not civilian targets, um, and so that certainly well, changes that's kind of the moral point equation later, a great right? deal. That's Kira's point later when she's like, if you were an actual terrorist, if you were actual McKee, you'd be, you'd be just killing as many, you'd be making doing as much damage as possible. Be much he's more ruthless. He's trying, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. This conversation really went nowhere. Okay. No, well, you know, it's us. <laughs> so uh, Cisco and Ducat are stumped. They can't find the defined, and Cis- and Ducat but hold is on. distracted. That, the, 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 what plot-wise, at least, what was a little confusing to me here too is, what is she trying to reason with with him? She doesn't know him for to from Adam, and he's trying to steal this ship and like do bad stuff, whatever. But the specifics are not even important. But yet she's trying to convince him that he's some hero, or that it's very confusing. Well, no, because I mean, a she knows him. They've at least talked for like five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows that Riker's a Starfleet officer, right? And and knows that even though this isn't Will Riker. You know, we she knows of Will Riker's reputation and knows of of his reputation previous to that, so you know knows that he's a good guy, you know, and 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 not necessarily mustache twist mustache twirling twirling evil, and so there's a part of him that doesn't want to do anything bad. So they're just arguing what is what is the definition of bad in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I get I get what she's trying to do. She she's trying to get him to surrender and give the ship back. And and she's appealing to his sense of honor to do that. So uh they can't find the defined, and du- but Ducat is distracted. It's his son's eleventh birthday, and he promised to take him to, to Disney World, but is going to have to break the promise yet again. Cisco empathizes, he has to do the same thing with Jake, but Ducat is more serious, realizing that this is only going to make his son hate federation um i think the most interesting conversation in this episode here and an interesting layer of vulnerability for ducat here well it's um, I, it, I think it's it's not it's more than interesting it's it's a huge crack in a huge crack wide open into his brain space because you know we as we will continue i guess to to debate his whether he's an antagonist or a protagonist it's nice to at least know that foundationally, it it seems clear to me that his ultimate hope is that at some point they the both sides can trust one another because it's clear he wants his son not to hate the Federation. He wants him to he's he's hoping for his son to have some sort of universal respect or love, and that they can all can't we all just get along? Which is not something a a, a like you said a mustache twirling villain would would want. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously loves his son, and and I do think he's being genuine here. I I don't I don't think he's 100%. I don't think he's making this up. He he loves his son. He doesn't want his son to hate the Federation. He wants he, he there's a part of him that wants peace. I think his his eternal character flaw is that he loves himself more than any of those things, hmm. and um, that's always going to be what takes him over. Um, so on the Defiant, they fix the cloak. But have small neutrino leak have have a small neutrino leak they hope won't give them away. Kira asks why they're heading to a shipyard. There are much better targets all over the place. And Riker says, I just want to keep him guessing. The Maquis has heard that there is a secret military buildup in the Arias system that the Central Command itself doesn't know about, and that they're building an invasion fleet. Uh, so that's that's a big that's big news. Kira tells him, "You're not a good terrorist. Your heart's not in it. You should be attacking things right and left with this ship." But he's only interested in intelligence. 
She would have blown stuff up everywhere around, but he's trying to be a hero. And terrorists don't get to be heroes, which I thought was a really interesting line. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and, and I also think the definition of terrorist is a little different now than it was in 1994. Yeah. That's that's obviously a much bigger thing because as a resistance fighter, as a as somebody fighting in, you know, a, a, being an occupied force, it's not quite the same thing as random killings. You know, she's anyway, it's a it's well, let's just a, say that much bigger, when we read, when they read through the draft Nobody. There wasn't as much scrutiny on that word as there would have been at today's pass. Well, no, yeah. I mean, this this is pre nine eleven, so we had a completely different concept of this. Um, so, but of course, every you know the the definition, the label of terrorist versus freedom fighter is thrown out by whichever side you're on yeah. in countless conflicts in all of history. So, anyway, I uh, always thought that that sort of, that what you just said is sort of the point of the McKee is to draw that question of are they good are they bad but they i think they're it's it's a clearer distinction with the bajorans and with kira's storyline is a better yeah that's a better analogy i mean she was like basically the equivalent of the french resistance Mm -hmm. in world war ii where like they're the good guys plain and simple (laughs) you know and and that's um it's interesting anyway uh we we will continue to debate all of that as we move forward. And, of course, we're setting up the premiere of Voyager in a couple of weeks, uh, where, spoiler alert, um, half of the crew on Voyager are ex-McKee members. So uh, we have to find a way to make that okay. What they never make very clear on this is how Will got in, or Will, how Tom got involved with any of this. Well, they they do give us a little bit of backstory that he... He was on his ship, got involved with some stuff, had some disciplinary disciplinary issues. Like he got wrapped up in it, okay. and and then uh, you know, obviously, understandably, coming from a from an angry place, a place of feeling taken advantage of, being screwed by life and situations, and looking to root for the underdog, feeling like the underdog. I mean, not even like the underdog to your older brother, to your freaking self. Um. So I, All right, you know what? All right. Yeah, okay. Psychologically, yeah. he's the type of person who would hop onto something like that. Right. That makes sense to me. Uh, so on Cardassia, Cisco has figured out that the Defiant has been leading ships away from the Orias sector. Classic. Dukat doesn't understand why it's supposed to be uninhabited, but the Obsidian Overseer sure does. She stops them from sending any ships into the system. It's under the control of the Obsidian Order, and they're not allowed to go there. And if you send a ship there, we'll destroy it. Uh, so, uh-oh. Yep. In Act 5, one of the Cardassian ships has detected the neutrino leak. They might have found the Defiant, and they're going to make a run for the Orias system. All the other Cardassian ships chase them to discover... Several new Cardassian warships come out of the blue unexpectedly. Turns out they're secret Obsidian Order ships, despite being forbidden from having military equipment of any kind. So, the Obsidian Order, going rogue. Kira tries to talk Riker out of fighting them all, and if they've tried to fight them all, they'll die. Uh, But Riker says, I'm not my brother, damn it. 
Sis or, or myself. Not brother. I'm not myself. Man, therapy bills. Mm. Cisco quietly entices Ducat with a deal. We'll give you the sensor logs of the Orias system. Uh, basically, Ducat deal with the with the Cardassian military. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you allow them all to surrender to the Federation. Ducat says, I do want the information. The military wa- definitely wants to know what the Obsidian Order is up to. But somebody has to pay for it. And I don't want it to be me. So Ducat agrees to hand over everything except for Riker. Sisko reluctantly agrees on the condition that the sentence be something other than death. But before any of that can happen, the Defiant decloaks and opens fire. They battle the Cardassians and disable the first ship when three more cruisers show up. So we get some uh, some pretty cool upgraded pew-pews here, um, which I thought looked great. The Defiance shooting stuff is... I, I think at this point, this is when we switched the digital model, which allows us to move the ship much faster and in much different ways. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, yeah, especially for, for 94. We're getting there. There's there's still more improvements to come, but that certainly was a very upgraded battle scene than what we've been used to up to this point. Um, they get a message from Ducat and Cisco, and they tell Riker to surrender. He can turn himself in and serve out the rest of his life in a Cardassian labor camp. Yikes. Kira tries to talk him into it. The mission is over. You've accomplished what you needed to accomplish, exposing the Obsidian Order fleet. Uh, you don't need to go out in a blaze of glory. Was that so, what his intent was, though? To expose yeah. that fleet? Okay. Yeah, yeah, They They had the intelligence that the Obsidian Order was building a fleet. Mm-hmm. And they were... The whole point of this was to get the Cardassian military and the Federation to know that that's happening. I don't happening know if it was my paying attention or just the, the pacing. And maybe you could, be, you could let me know because I was in a different mind space but the the reveal of the obsidian order secret fleet to ducat was much more apparent and effective to me than that being the the plan of tom because i i just kind of Mm. didn't catch that as much and it was more interesting on that side anyway well yeah because that's what's interesting about it is the implications of that Mm -hmm. um it's 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 not as much I, I think I think it is clear mm-hmm. that that the the McKee's goal is to expose this fleet, and that's okay. that's why he's he's drawing people away. He's trying to get to that sector. So that is, I mean, that is pretty altruistic. In in a yeah, no, it is it is heroic because it is. Uh, it's probably good that we know that that's happening. And he did con- he did of course uh, kidnap a uh, crew member and steal our ship. So it isn't like we. I don't want to pat him on the back too hard. Well, I mean, I mean, and that's and that is the maquis. Like you, you do some wrongs to make a greater right for the greater good. I don't know. Hard to say. Um. But uh, anyway, so Tom agrees to the terms. He couldn't he have just like leaked the papers. Well, the Pentagon papers. They needed to prove it. Okay. You know, they, yeah. we don't know that we can trust the maquis' intelligence. Um, so Tom agrees to terms. Cisco says you need to surrender to the ships behind you, not in front of you, and they'll protect you. And Riker agrees, and he's being chased by the Obsidian Order ships, and they're faster and more powerful than any ships Ducat has seen. 
Uh-oh. The Defiant goes into the protection of Ducat's ship. And Riker sends the sensor logs and hands command over to Kira. She promises to rescue Tom someday. And he kisses her without asking if that's okay. And for reasons beyond my understanding, other than 90s television, she swoons instead of slapping him. Then he beams away. Ooh, good screenshot. And the Defiant pieces out. Or home. Still can't figure out what is on that man's head. Like some somehow the something either on the digital film or that was messed up in the AI upscale or my catch. I can't. I just can't figure I, it out. I feel like it's a remnant on the film itself. Yeah, isn't it's it? gotta be. That's what it looks that, like. That the AI was like, oh, that's a cool thing, and yeah, then brought it, it yeah. to the forefront. Yeah. Because he didn't have that in the other rest of the. No, episode, I thought also it? It might be like our our like our overlay, but it's not. It's definitely no, it's not, not. A film. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's a good question. So uh, that is the end of our episode. I think we've already we've we both mentioned that uh, him kissing her at the end is gross and weird and not handled great. But beyond that, uh, let us do a little vocab quiz. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek vocabulary quiz. Mike, I want to know what it is and what you use it for. A proton beam. A proton beam is like the beam of protons, Keith, that you'd use to uh, shooty-shoot something. It's how you detect the cloaked yeah. defiant. Yeah, yeah, that's it, because it bounces back. It's like sonar. It's like bats know where fruit is. Okay. Yeah, it, sure. Yes, it's fruits. <laughs> and, Mike, what's a neutrino? Oh, neutrino is a thing, Keith, that gives a very distinct signature. And so you can tell when things are leaking. You can tell when things are hiding. You can tell when things are flooding. The whole deal. You need a neutrino signature detector. Sure. Yeah, the neutrinos are part of the cloaking device. Yes. And when it's leaking, Mm -hmm. that is a different way to detect Mm -hmm. the cloak. You know, females are, you refer to that as a a neutrino. The, the, the female neutrinos are, yeah. are neutrinos? Yeah. Okay, good. I was terrified where that was going. That could have been much worse. Let's move along home, shall we? Two, three, four. Alamarami! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One. Okay. Let us talk about any possible wormholes in the plot. Okay, well, I mentioned my concern about the uh, the, the security. security, So, and we kind of dealt with that. And, and also, I guess my just kind of general, I don't have any specifics, but my general, the, the motivations for everyone seemed a little, for Tom, seemed suspect to me until Keith made that clear about three minutes ago. So I'm feeling better about it. In fact, one of the strengths of this episode for me is just how airtight I feel like the the tentative uh, treaty, if you will, that we establish the deal we make at the end of the episode is. I think it's 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 not great for anybody, but it is also just enough for everybody, and it takes a little bit of trust from both sides. So I and I really like that. The only thing that's the only question I have is tactically. It seems to me like Ben and Ducat are making these this deal 
in earshot of the Obsidian Order Overseer, you would think that maybe, or I don't know what her agency is. So I thought that she was going to attempt to foil that deal because it, it doesn't particularly uh, help Obsidian Order in any way, unless they're just very confident. Maybe they've got a second Death Star and they've got, you know, like, it just seemed like she allowed that to happen in earshot. That was the only lasting kind of confusion I had. Yeah, I, I don't think she was, I think she was in the room. I don't know if she was necessarily in earshot of that they conversation. They were on screen offering the deal. Oh, well, later. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I, I agree with you that the well the obsidian order is in a tough position right because they're getting caught with their hands in the cookie jar and the minute one of their ships is seen the cat's kind of out of the bag at that point and i don't think she would have a believable reason to shut it down without exposing the thing in the first place Mm. because as soon as she's shutting down, I mean, she kind of cats out of the bag when she says the Obsidian Order is in control of that space, and if you go there, we're going to shoot you. Yeah, because you know they're going to follow up on that. Like, there's no way they're just going to like, okay. Um. So whether or not the cat comes out of the bag quickly or slowly, I think I think that was sort of that it was a fait accompli. Um. And and she was sort of in in a disadvantage there because her objective, which was to keep this secret, had already gone out the window. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hear it. Uh, the only wormhole I have is the question that we have asked all of you. is like, what's going on with Riker and O'Brien? What did that mean? Um, Weird. And they made it, they hit it so hard, you know? They totally hit it hard. I, I, maybe I'm just forgetting something. I could easily just be forgetting something. So um, smarter people answer my questions. Uh, let's talk about our best moment. I just mentioned it. I think the de- the the scene where Ducat and Cisco are going back and forth and hashing out the terms of this agreement to have him sacrifice, not sacrifice, uh, surrender, and 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 also he has to because we we saw in a previous episode he has to you know that they all the generally death is the sentence and it's predetermined. So so Cisco has to you know generally. Federation-based folk would be like, no, we need a fair trial, we need this, we know that. He knows it's not going to be fair. He knows that it's yeah. predetermined. So Ben, as part of his deal, has to offer the sentence and yeah. work backwards. Just and, don't kill him. Yeah, yeah, and he's also giving up logs, which I'm sure the Federation wouldn't be pretty... I keep saying Federation. Am I right when I'm saying yeah. this? Yes. Yeah, Federation. Uh, wouldn't be great about Ben giving... Uh, it's just... It's, it's, it's so good, and once again, confidence... So much of it relies on things we have learned previously, and we don't do yeah. a lot of rehashing. Yes, they 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 have to recap the 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 Tom, yeah, the Riker story. the Riker story. But they don't go over the Obsidian Order. They don't go over any of the stuff we yeah, did with with Ducat before. You're either in or you're out. And I yep. think that's so baller. And it really, fe- I even felt here I am, season three, twenty years later, I felt rewarded. For yes. watching every week. He felt complimented for knowing it. Yes, yeah. and so that is awesome, and I'm invested, and this is one of those episodes where I haven't felt like, actually, in this season since the first one or two episodes, hmm. really curious as to what's next. In the right? big picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say, I love all of the side episodes. I'm loving the different stuff we're doing. I love the tonality shifts. Like, I'm really excited about some more of the musical and different stuff coming up that we've 
we've teased or that I've uh, I've extracted or inferred from some of the toys we've looked at and stuff. But right now, I'm just super invested in the overarching plot line. When are we getting back to the founders? When are we getting back? Like, what's going on with the Obsidian Order? All of that's really yeah. cool to me. Just, be, I mean, just the name alone. So anyway, that scene for me actually symbolized my sort of what I'm loving about the show right now. So I think that's why I'm picking that moment. Yeah. No, I think I think that's I I agree with you on all of that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. Just just a slight modification for me. It's gonna be the Ducat story about his son. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing because it's he's it's, so good. Alimo is so he might be he's approaching Avery Brooks in 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 my favorite right now. Yeah, we, he's always watchable. He's always always and, and fun. Avery Brooks and him are both. You could absolutely play both of those characters very stock and very just the way people would expect it, but. Ben, obviously, with the line readings and with the way he just just hits different things and 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 sometimes it's really casual and flippant about really serious things and those are all calculated. And Marco yeah. Limo, I feel like, brings so much more quirk and and just personality comedy to very dark, almost bad guy stuff. And it's such a weird, it's such a small. Uh, needles well, of thread. I, I, he, I can't I'll, go ahead. I'll say tell it. you what. It, I'll tell you exactly yeah. what it is. In Cisco, the salt that is the seasoning is his aggression, mm-hmm. is his darkness. Right. That's the salt that that gives flavoring to his his kind, nice dad, good boss, good leader. But there's a little bit of dark in him. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of like ooh. Right? That's the salt. In Ducat, the salt is vulnerability against his megalomaniacal bad guy Cardassianness. There's just a little bit of seasoning of vulnerability there that raises the stake mm-hmm. in both of them. Yeah, so when you put um, them together, right? Put them together. You got a surf and turf. They're, 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 <laughs> well, they're two sides of a, the opposite sides of the same coin. Mm right they're both complex they both have dark and light and it's like um there's a there's a meme out there that it's just like in uh he you know cisco is there is always darkness and light and ducat is there is always light and darkness and i think that that is just a awesome awesome to see them together um all right let's give out a certain type of stem bolt shall we that's why i wasn't there Really, it's the best way to bring it home. All right, so... You know... It was so... It it wasn't really that action-heavy. I thought... There wasn't a ton of suspense in the the kidnapping of the ship or, or Kira. But... But... What I love about this episode, and I hope that this this translates, was that it felt to me much like reading a really great thriller novel, right? Mm. That a lot of the suspense came from the 
the machinations of that that deal we just worked out and how these two si- and how everyone once again is playing everyone against one another you've got ben who is willing to d- expose some secrets about their weapon but but try not to do it too much and also get something out of the deal like squeeze some sort of benefit for them out of the deal you've got ducat who is learning about the obsidian order uh but can't quite get the foothold over them because they are they are operating independently yet with but also with one another but against one another which is a really cool dynamic the grand inquisitor or the observer is really interesting and and ominous but yet we don't quite know what her agency is she says that those ships will attack, but it's not like she's giving the order, so it's all, and we don't actually see any of the Obsidian Order. We've met them before, but we don't see how they're right. a- acting right here. And a lot of the tactical stuff is happening on a very, like, 1994 digital screen setup, so we're not seeing any of that. But, and so, it would sound like a knock, right? Well, it's a TV, show it to me. But there's something about not seeing it, and about it all being fed to us through these two amazing actors and two amazing characters and they're once again being two little fish in this sea of potential war trying to hash out the the right. thread of safety and i don't i can't explain to you i wish i could that's what the, i have a podcast and i can't I, why that is so interesting to me and but it is and to be frank i thought the weird chemistry between them that they were trying to build that plot line whatever uh, whether good between or Kira and yeah good bad or indifferent i'm completely indifferent about it added added nothing but weird moments for me the kiss thing at the end we i wouldn't have to spend that much time on it it's weird unnecessary and it, it the only thing i thought was that oh well this is like leaving leaving the opportunity for the writers to maybe do a prison break episode if they want right. further down the road maybe maybe not i guess they'll see how how it tests um so yeah for it's not the most action packed it's not the most consequential but i and it's not the most character driven i don't learn a ton about them we learn a lot about tom Riker, i guess but i don't he's not i don't know that we ever see him again so i don't know if it matters but we learn about Ducat. We learn about Ben. They're, despite themselves, developing a relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, and, but also, whilst they're still building that relationship, that one little beat that we have we only mentioned in, in passing, when she sort of, when the Obsidian Observer puts a dig at Ben, or at, at Ducat through Ben by complimenting Ben's strategic yeah. prowess, you see close-up of Ducat potentially being a little jealous and jealousy in a narcissist can be very dangerous, dangerous. and yep. so we're bu- planting seeds there and of embarrassed in front yes. of the, his his buddy who he wants to impress his 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 buddy for zary so as much as i'm like yeah i want them to buddy cop because i love their but you also see oh we're building what could be a huge conflict so all of that is just that is superb storytelling and once again, I know in the landscape of 1990s television, ballsy, because planning long character and plot arcs on a in an episodic show is not something that was getting done. So, yeah. for all of those reasons and more, I'm I'm 
this crosses for me, Keith, and maybe I don't. I have no idea if I'm on an island or not. It crosses into the 90 threshold, and I'm going 91.5. I'm very high on this episode. Bolts. Fabulous. Well, I mean, I, I, I hope it's not too much of a spoiler, but might we get mostly a two-hander between the two of them marooned somewhere someday oh, for some reason? That'd be so good. Uh, yeah, just just might happen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like this episode, too. I think um, the I, I love the reveal. I always remember the reveal. Um, it, it makes sense to me. It's fun. It's exciting. Stealing Defiant, that's exciting. Like, mm -hmm. what are the consequences? Like, all of that's great. Everything you just said, I totally agree with. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very enjoyable episode. And you know, this this episode's kind of a take on the hunt for Red October. Yeah. Um, and and which is a, a great, classic, exciting tale. If you're, you're, somebody goes rogue in between two superpowers and that could blow up the whole start World War Three. How do you team up to try to protect the world so i think that's i mean great fun uh fun stakes and you know i don't want to like give away too much but like are we going to follow up on some of this yeah maybe we will um you know obviously we're we're laying some track for some pretty consequential stuff to happen moving forward um so that's that's really fun it's it's really fun it's an enjoyable episode um i'm gonna give it uh I'm going to give it 88 self-sealing stem bolts. Question for you, as a writer, yes. as a as a as sort of a thought experiment. One other thing I felt like let the episode down a little bit mm. is, yeah, Kira had a couple of conversations with Tom about you should be more of a less of a you should be more of a terrorist, and here you should be more of a captain. And but regardless, I feel like even absent those conversations those heart to hearts and i understand kira's use because her because of her past and why why her advice and her objective is, yes yeah totally makes sense however i feel like even if you extract that from the episode riker would have made it when presented with the same ultimatum by ducat and ben would have made the same decision so i don't really know the agency that kira had in the outcome oh <sighs> Is there a way to have made it more impactful? Well, I I think I mean her 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 objective there is to talk him out of going out in a blaze of glory. Mm. Right? It's at that last second there where like he's cornered by by a million ships. Um from his point of view, he's probably thinking I'm going to be executed. Like, like whatever the outcome of this, I'm going to die. He doesn't really know that Cisco has given him a chance at life. But also, the the deal that Cisco made, he's in a Cardassian labor camp for the rest of his life. Like, is that a lot better mm. than going out in a blaze of glory? Mm. I don't know that it is. Yeah, okay. And, and so I think she's basically there reminding him who he is and that he's a that accomplish having accomplished his greater good exposing the obsidian order fleet that he doesn't need to go out in a blaze of glory to distinguish himself from william yeah to to get a page in the history book that would you know like his his brothers his brother him his 
alternate version is famous, successful, got the girl. Um, part of him might want to go out in a blaze of glory, become a piece of history, like, ah, you know, I know Commander Riker, but, you know, Thomas Riker, he went out, blah, 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 blah. He's much more consequential. This makes him a little bit more anonymous. Mm -hmm. And I think um, her agency is convincing him not to go out in a ball of fire. Okay. And, And so I think, to answer your question, I think, yes, there could have been a better way, a better way to to make that the thread going all the way through um you know to to make to make tom i think the way i would have done it is i would have made tom riker's plan to somehow somehow make it apparent that his plan is to is this is a big this is a suicide run and i want to go out and make the biggest statement i can make the biggest explosion i want to i want to make I want to a expose this fleet, but I want to make a statement mm-hmm. to the world, mm-hmm. to the to, to the universe, and I want and I'm and my this is a one way mission. I know it, and I'm I'm excited about it. This is my plan. This is how I distinguish myself. And then her talking her him her him talking her talking him out of that more explicitly would be how I would do that. So there it is. So next week we are talking about fascination. Hopefully. It will be interesting. So uh, we'll see you back here next week. Check out our other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys, K&M Geekly. We will be reviewing that there figure on Saturday, the first of the Prodigy 2023 figures. Uh, also, we'll be coming out soon with Strange New Show, our this version for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Don't miss it. All of our social medias are below. Uh, you can also get the podcast-only version of all of these shows in your podcasting service of choice. Give us a rating and, rating and review. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Tell a friend. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash K&M. Do you have a comment you want read on air? Yes. Super chat below. Leave as much as uh, I think it's the two dollar minimum will get your uh, your comment read on air as long as it's uh, you know audience friendly. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, we we got to put that disclaimer there. Uh, not that we've got. Uh, let's just leave it there. But uh, thanks for watching. We appreciate everybody, and uh, thanks for uh, cheering Keith up today. Appreciate you. In yeah, for sure. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.